Now we're almost four months into this coronavirus pandemic and there's a universal sense of fear that I'm perceiving at least. Today we're talking about facing fear with compassion with Dr. Susan. I'm Dr. Susan. Today we're talking about facing fear with compassion. You know, I was really inspired by Elizabeth Gilbert. I hope a lot of you know her. You know, she's a famous author and I, I follow her a little bit. A couple months ago, she uh, presented a piece that talked about this issue of facing fear with compassion. And I've been thinking about it for quite some time. I hope you guys will check it out. It's on uh, Insight Timer. So hi, Elizabeth, if you're watching um, and thanks for the inspiration. But uh, you know, after a couple more months have passed and I've uh, really been sitting with how this fear is affecting our world and you know, what we can do to help uh, and what I can do to help myself. So let, let me tell you some of the things that I've learned and some of the things that have helped me. You know, I grew up in a family where fear was something we didn't talk about. Um, I was taught that the opposite of fear was courage or bravery. And I've actually built my life around that idea in a lot of ways. Um, you know, when I look back at a lot of the things that I've personally done, um, when people were asked to describe my personality, one of the words that was always used was brave or courageous. And that's a, a value that I've held really strongly in my heart, that I'm someone who's brave and courageous. Um, it's still a value that I hold strongly. Um, but the idea that the opposite of fear is courage is something that I've really had to revisit lately, especially during this really uncertain time. This is a time none of us have experienced before in our lifetime. It's something that none of us have ever had to face for such a long period. You know, I can face something scary for a day or two week or two, but now we're in four months and maybe we're talking about years. I think we're really going to have to spend some time, or I am going to really have to spend some time looking into how we're going to deal with this very, very powerful emotion of fear for a long time. Because it's part of our lives now, isn't it? Uh, at least for me and for most people that I know. So talking about fear, um, first of all, I'd like to spend some time just sitting with it. You know, and I usually start uh, my meetings with you all by just becoming present. Uh, so let's just do that for a second, um, if you're willing. Uh, what I mean by being present is uh, becoming in this place where we are together and dropping down out of our thinking minds into our body, which is really where fear exists, at least for me. So let's just give this a try if you want to. Um, if you don't want to, that's okay too. Uh, but just for a moment, I invite you to close your eyes if you'd like to. And just relax and take a couple of deep breaths. Feel yourself being exactly where you are right now. For me, I'm feeling my bottom on this chair. I'm 
feeling my emotions in my body, which right now are some fear and some sadness. And I feel that in the area of my chest as a sensation of pressure. Just sort of checking in with that and a sensation of dropping down from my thinking mind into my body and just really being with what's here. Trying to let go of thoughts about the past or the future just for these few minutes that we're together. And then just coming back to being together. Thank you for experimenting with that with me. What I notice when I do that, especially in the context of fear, is bringing the idea of fear out of thoughts, of you know, racing thoughts about worst case scenarios about the future. Um, you know, fear for me often is uh, thoughts uh, pessimistic thoughts about what could happen in the future. You know, if we think about fear, it really is a future-based emotion. It's very real uh, right now, so I'm not in any way suggesting that we just say, oh, just be present and be happy and everything's okay. Um, we're not saying that at all. It's just to be present with your own body and to recognize that fear is an emotion and that we can feel it and locate it in our bodies. The benefit for me of doing that is it takes me out of the spinning, repetitive, negative thoughts that are really not leading anywhere. Um, you know, we could spend the rest of the year in those spinning, repetitive thoughts. They're stories. I've got lots of them about what might happen, what might not happen. Um, this could be over soon, this could take years, the world might never be how it was before, I mean, just on and on and on. But when I'm able to bring that fear down into my body, it quietens down those um, repetitive negative thoughts. So that's just a, a, an idea of a place to start. From there, now that we're settled and I'm feeling where I am in my body, I'd like to offer a, a suggestion, which is to accept that being scared is totally normal right now. There's nothing wrong with you if you're scared. You don't have to be brave. You don't have to be a hero. You don't have to be steady and know the answers to everything. Being exactly the way you are right now is perfectly understandable. Of course you're scared. I would be scared too. I am scared. <laughs> From that place, we can give ourselves love and acceptance and self-compassion or, or treating myself with the same amount of love that I would treat someone else is something that I'm really toddling in. Now I can tell you I've taken courses in self-compassion, I've read books about it, I've I'm signed up for another course in self-compassion that's starting this week because I, I personally have spent most of my life beating myself up. I, I'm really kind to other people most of the time, but I'm frequently very unkind to myself. So when I notice myself feeling an emotion that I feel is weak or bad or not good enough. It's not good enough for me to be scared. I need to be 
saving people. I need to be a hero. I'm a leader. I need to be out there in front and, and, and being the strong one. That's what I was taught is really just hitting myself with a stick and not treating myself with kindness for just being okay to be scared. So this is hard for me and I want to share it with you because it's hard for me. I'm guessing that it's hard for a lot of people. So here's how it might work. First of all, we can't change what we can't accept. <clears throat> and while I'm not even suggesting that we try to change the fact that we're scared right now, I, I, that's, that's not the goal to try to not be scared, but we can't shift what we can't accept. So the first step is just to accept that I'm scared. And I can't accept that I'm scared from my head. I can't. I, maybe you can. I, I can only accept that I'm scared when I can feel it in my body. You, you know, I think the reason for that, I, I don't know. My theory is that we feel fear in our bodies because of this ancient programming. You know, we're still animals um, and, and we have this ancient programming that fear leads to chemical changes in our body to allow us to survive. So when we feel fear, our cortisol goes up, our adrenaline goes up, you know, those are the hormones that uh, get us ready for action to run when we're being chased by an enemy or to fight um, if our, we're trying to save our own lives or protect our family. And those uh, reactions are felt in our body. You know, if we're a, a lower form of animal life, they, they don't think, as far as I know, much at all. <laughs> they just feel their body and they act on what their body tells them to feel. And we have that internal wisdom also, if we can tap into it and listen. The difference is that uh, because we have consciousness, we don't have to act on it, but we can still feel it. And there's enormous wisdom from feeling our fear in our body because then we can accept it. So let me, let me give you an experiment and how this might work. And I'll just share with you, uh, I'm, I'm scared today and I'm working through that with you as I'm talking to you live. Uh, I'm not scared about talking live. I'm scared about all the same things you're scared about. <laughs> so I'm doing a real live uh, uh, experiment with you here right now. Right now, what I feel is fear in my body feels tight and my fists feel like clenching and I can feel that adrenaline in my chest. But when I breathe and just give a breath of acceptance to the one who's scared, and I say the one who's scared because my whole self isn't scared. My, my true self, my whole encompassing self isn't scared. There's a part of me that's scared. And I want to give a breath of acceptance to that one who's scared and tell her she is loved and I'm here. I'm, I'm right here. I'm here with her. Now, that might sound crazy to be talking to yourself in that way. But I'm really inspired by um, Elizabeth Gilbert, who writes love letters to herself. Now, I don't do it in that way, but I do try to talk to myself in that same loving language. 
when I feel fear, I can hold that one who's scared and give her love. Now, I can't tell her that I know what's going to happen or that everything's going to be okay. And I definitely don't want to tell her, don't be scared. Now, that's something I would have done in the past. I'd say, don't be scared. Be happy. Don't be, don't be scared. And you know why I would do that? It's because I can't handle the pain of being scared. And I, I might have even done that to my children when they were younger. Uh, it's certainly what my parents did to me if I was scared. They'd say, don't be scared. Um, you don't have to be scared. That, that I find is not helpful at all. Um, what is helpful is to say something like this. I see that you're scared. I'd be scared too. I'm scared too, and I'm here with you. You're not alone. I love you. I'm here, I'm not leaving. That's compassion. That's what you'd say to somebody else, wouldn't you? What would you say to a person who is scared that you love? Can we talk to ourselves with that same compassionate voice? And we don't have to do it out loud. It sounds a little crazy, maybe, to you if you were brought up like I was. You may want to use Elizabeth Gilbert's suggestion and write yourself a letter of love. Now, the letter is coming from love. And all of us, hopefully, I do, have a, an understanding that love is always there, however we, name, however we name it. I don't know what it is, if it's God or the universe or what it is, but when I sit still, I can tap into the fact that love is always there. And even when I'm by myself, I can bring that love to myself to calm myself. Now, you know, babies are really good at pacifying themselves with their sucking their thumb or rocking themselves. And adults sometimes, at least I did, lost that ability to pacify ourselves when we were scared. <clears throat> And instead, a lot of us moved into just denying that we were scared and being brave, being strong. Fear is not good. We don't need fear. We're going to just X out that part of ourselves that's scared and just push it away. But what I found is that any part of ourselves that we X out or abandon or kick out um, comes back <laughs> in various ways. You might have found this yourself, being confined at home with your loved ones these past weeks. That fear often comes out as an expression of anger uh, or uh, jealousy or even hatred. Uh, you know, fear, if it's not recognized in its pure form, can be expressed in some really unhealthy ways. Um, Elizabeth uh, talked about uh, fear being compounded by shame. And boy, do I know about that one. Because if you grew up like me, being taught that fear was bad, then when you feel fear, it's followed by shame for not being good enough, not being brave enough, not being able to be a hero in this situation. And fear and shame together, like she said, are a toxic combination. So feeling the fear in our body again and going into whatever self-compassion technique works for you, whether it's just giving yourself a breath of acceptance, 
course you're scared. It makes perfect sense that you're scared. Who wouldn't be scared? Not being scared would be strange. In fact, if I talked to someone right now who said they weren't scared, I would call BS on that. I would think that they're defending themselves and trying to show up as a hero and that they have a little bit more work to do on feeling their own feelings. Everybody's scared. And in that way, we're all connected. So can we, can we give ourselves just a breath of acceptance for being scared? Now, does that make the situation better? I'm not giving myself a breath of acceptance for the situation being okay. Uh, I don't think the situation's okay at all. But I think that being scared is just okay. In fact, it's perfectly normal. And, and it can be overwhelming. So I, I wouldn't recommend sitting in fear and compounding it and making it bigger. But what I find is when we take the fear out of our minds, which is where we do compound the fear and repeat negative stories and rehearse worst case scenarios. And when we take that fear out of our minds, that's so good at planning and predicting and imagining the worst. And you know, right now, none of us can plan what's going to happen. We have no idea. So it might be good just to let that go because <laughs> who knows? And drop into just where it feels in, in your body and breathe with it for a moment. And that's what I've been doing. And it's really been helping because sometimes I do spin out into panic about all the same things that we're experiencing. I don't know what's going to happen with my own personal finances, my own health, my kids' school, my house. You know, well, I could go on forever about what I don't know. I don't know much right now. And humans don't do well with uncertainty. And I'm a human, and so are you. Knowing that we don't do well with uncertainty, this is a really great opportunity. Not, I'm not going to silver lining it, but this is a really great opportunity for us to learn to work with fear. Because, hey, we were given a bunch of fear, so what choices do we have? Are we going to learn to work with it? Or are we going to continue our old habits of Xing it out, pretending it's not there, or spinning out into panic or other unhealthy options. So, hey, let might as well try it, right? I mean, what else? What else could we do right now? So, self-compassion—it's um, a big topic. Uh, you know, I'll talk about that some more at a later time. But again, just starting with acceptance—that it's okay—and giving yourself the love that you would ask or that you would want someone else to give you if they were in the room with you. If you're lucky enough to have someone in your life who can give you those words, that's terrific. And if you're in a committed adult relationship with somebody wise enough to do that with, hey, do it together. How about getting with your spouse or your partner and talking about your fear and, and accepting your fear together. That, yeah, I'm scared. And I love you. I'm with you. I'm scared too. And, and I'm not going anywhere. And 
we don't know what's going to happen. And I can't tell you that it's all going to be okay or this is going to get better next week. But I can tell you that love is always available to you. And when I do that, that what I notice in my body is that adrenaline and that cortisol, that feeling of pressure and tightness starts to dissipate. And from there, I'm less likely to go out into the world and interact with my family with those more dangerous emotions like anger and, um, well, mainly anger <laughs> for me, um, which really is just coming from fear. Now, if you're someone who has struggled with anger, uh, like me, especially during this time of being confined where all of our emotions are heightened, sitting down and getting under the anger, I'm guessing that you might find that under that anger is fear. And, and fear is, for me, such a, a softer, more tender emotion to deal with than anger. You know, and it may be for you too. So um, what I have found lately, and this is something that is relatively new to me after a lifetime of beating myself up, is that you know, you, we're going to get a lot further with tenderness than with this toughness. Um, and, and there's a place for toughness and, and for uh, courage. And those are admirable traits, I would say. Uh, but not, not right now. Uh, maybe not right now. Um, you know, when we're walking into the fire, like I sometimes do. I have to walk into the hospital or do surgery or something like that. You know, there's an element of courage there, but I'm talking about just day-to-day -day life. So uh, let's just sit with that and start with acceptance. No need for it to go away. There's no goal for the fear to disappear right now. Uh, you don't have to be perfect today. You don't have to be brave today. Just be the way you are, and the way you are is perfectly okay. And let's try not to let it spin out of control by letting those emotions sink down into our body. So I think we've kind of got that idea, I hope. And I want to uh, jump into some of the questions that you guys sent. Um, and again, I want to invite you to check out uh, on Insight Timer, Elizabeth Gilbert. If you search for her, uh, she did a beautiful meditation about this, um, and I, I, I really found that it moved me. And I think that if you're feeling in fear today, it might be something that really helps you. So thanks again to Elizabeth. Let me hop to a few questions. Um, bear with me, because I am finding these on my phone. <clears throat> Boy, this is a good one. Uh, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny, asked, how do I appear strong and brave for my kids so that they don't get anxious? Who I, I have kids, and, and I've thought about this a lot. And I think the answer, Jenny, is you don't have to appear strong and brave for your kids. Now, having said that, it's important for our children that they feel safe and that they don't feel like their caregivers are falling apart. Uh, so, so I think this is why doing some of this work on our own 
in private before we go out to interact with the family. So I, I do my practice in the morning. I actually do it in, in the middle of the day and then the evening as well right now because I'm finding that I need to do that more often. Um, when I feel myself going off into a place that is um, likely to lead to me doing something unwise, like being angry, or I, the way I think of it is something I'm gonna have to apologize for later. When I feel myself slipping off in that direction, that's a good time to sit still and try to repeat that practice. But um, how do we appear brave and strong for our kids so they don't feel scared? Well, I don't know. <laughs> First of all, I don't know everything. But appearing brave and strong, I might just throw that one out. And um, if your kids are old enough to uh, understand, now mine are teenagers, if you're sensing that they're scared, uh, which they no doubt are, um, maybe sit down with them and depending on their age, have a conversation that's appropriate for their age and tell them that, you, that, that you're scared too. Some form of what I just uh, said as a self-compassion practice that you're with them, you love them, you're not going anywhere, you don't know what's gonna happen, but you're always gonna be a family, that things are changing fast, but we're, we're still here together. And, and you know, when I'm saying that, uh, that reminds me of the conversations that I had with my kids when I got divorced. And for any of you that have been through a divorce, um, these same kind of conversations come up with the children that, you know, we're here as a family that's never gonna change. Things are gonna look different now. I don't know how it's gonna look, but I love you. I'm right here, I'm not going anywhere. So in answer to your question, that feels less strong and brave and more authentic. And I would trust you as a parent more if you said that to me than if you said, it's gonna be okay and, and we're gonna be just fine. And, and you're not going to get sick, um, and it'll be over next week. <laughs> As a kid, kids are pretty intuitive. They're not going to buy that. You know, and even little kids are on TV. They're, they're watching things. They're seeing things that are out there. And um, I think we do need to address this with our children. Now, uh, my kids, who I said were teenagers, um, are expressing this in a different way, which is to pretend everything's fine. Um, they're, uh, I find that teenagers are less comfortable admitting when they're scared. Um, so they may, uh, uh, my kids, for example, are showing this in different ways of anxiety, for example, um, like wanting to fill the time with uh, things that reduce their anxiety, you know, being on Instagram or things like that. And so, you know, we all express our fear in different ways, but. Um, some form of that conversation is what I would recommend rather than trying to be a hero and be brave and strong. And it might be a conversation that you need to have every day. And then I'm gonna just repeat, I don't know uh, what will work for your family. And I think it's okay to say to your kids that mom and dad don't always, or mom and mom <laughs> doesn't always know everything. Um, and, and thank you for that question because uh, it's helped me to think what I'm gonna do when I go home and talk to my kids. Sonia uh, has this great question. She says, I've noticed myself and my family slowly deteriorating into some unhealthy habits to deal with anxiety, like drinking, 
uh, shopping or arguing? How can I best approach the family about how to get through this together? You know, I talked about that a little bit, and this is kind of bouncing off what we've discussed before. Um, you know, recently, uh, Mary Jo Rapini and I were talking about how family dynamics are really often struggling in this situation because we're not used to spending so much time together. Not only that, but we're spending time together uh, when we're all scared. <laughs> so putting a bunch of people in a close container when they're all really scared is a uh, it's a, it's a ticking time bomb unless we have these skills and we employ them regularly. So yes, uh, habits that we uh, lean on when we're scared, like we all have them, uh, drinking, alcohol, uh, shopping online, um, redecorating the house. <laughs> the, I'm joking, I'm laughing because I've done all of these things just this weekend. Um, Go back inside. I'm thinking out loud. We've got to go back inside and get out of our heads. And when we see ourselves doing those things, it, it, don't beat yourself up. It's okay to sometimes check out. Um, you know, I have a practice of checking out mindfully, which maybe I'm giving myself a uh, rationalizing. Sometimes I just check out mindfully. I'm like sick of being mindful all day and, and recognizing my emotions and all of that work. Sometimes I just want to watch Netflix for three hours. But, but I kind of do it on purpose. I, I don't do it without noticing. In other words, I don't sort of just float into it and in a trance end up watching Netflix for three hours. Most of the time I don't. I like, I just say, you know what, Susan, I'm going to give you a treat today. Just treat yourself nicely. Let's just watch Netflix for three hours. So I guess what I'm saying is whatever our uh, coping strategies are uh, for dealing with fear, uh, I do recommend the practice that I first suggested. And then give yourself a break. Let yourself do some of these things. But if you're finding that they're harmful, I mean, overspending right now, shopping, maybe not be, uh, maybe for my family is not the best, uh, uh, wisest decision because, uh, you know, all of us, most of us have uh, issues around uncertainty about finances right now. So maybe I'm, I'm leaving the shopping uh, alone. Uh, I'm, I'm keeping my binging on Netflix. Uh, that one seems relatively harmless. Um, but it, you mentioned uh, arguing and, and uh, um, arguing, uh, fighting, uh, those types of uh, behaviors, which are really coming up in a big way for a lot of families. Um, again, like I mentioned, I find, and this might not be the case for you, that my anger, uh, which leads to arguing, and uh, my family's anger, has a soft underbelly. And I, I like to think of it that way. The soft underbelly for my anger is um, fear and sadness. And so if I can tap into what's really going on with the anger, and again, that can only work for me by doing that practice of getting out of my head and into my body, feeling where I feel it, putting my hand where I feel it, and just breathing into it and giving it acceptance. Fear is here. Sadness is here. And feeling it all the way through, not trying to exit out or telling it it needs to go away. 
And, and when I do that, I find that I'm less likely to react with anger. Now, when I do react with anger, uh, which happens, again, coming back to that same sitting practice helps me to uh, find a calm place to be able to come back to the person who I hurt and apologize. <laughs> so, like I said, one of my measures of when I'm going off track is when I uh, behave in a way that I'm going to have to apologize for later. So, um, my personal practice of going inward and into my body, I have uh, measured as being successful by the fact that I've found that I have to apologize less now than I used to, which I find is pretty funny. Um, but that's one of my measures of uh, how much this practice is actually working to change my behavior. I, I don't have to apologize as much. Now, I still have to apologize, don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here in any way as a guru or spiritual uh, leader. I, I'm just telling you what has worked for me. So what can you do about that, uh, Sonia? Um, I think just what all I know to do is what I just said. Give yourself some love. Accept that you're scared. Look at the behaviors that are really harmful, perhaps in your family, like if you are drinking too much uh, in a way that's har harming. I'm having a glass of wine uh, for sure, but if you're drinking enough to cause your behavior to be detrimental, or if you're reacting with anger or anxiety, that's when we need to look inward. And uh, it's a lot of work right now that we all are being invited to do. And so what a great opportunity, you know, if not now, one. And thank you for that question, because I'm working on that, too. Um, so Kathy uh, has a question. Thank you, Kathy. Um, this is a good one. Uh, usually when I'm scared, I've been taught to face it head on. Woo, me too. And just be brave and make some plans about how to fix the problem. Kathy, you sound like me. That's worked really well for me as a leader. I've even taught it to others about walking into your fear, being strong, etc. But this is a problem I can't fix and I feel helpless. What should I tell the people who look to me for answers as a leader? <sighs> well, I, I'm, I'm a leader. Uh, we're all leaders uh, in different ways. Uh, I, I happen to be the leader of a big organization as well as my family and Kathy, you may be too. And um, it's, it's a tough time right now for uh, leaders. Uh, well, it's a tough time for everybody, but let's talk about leaders for a second, because that was your question. And I'm deep in that question myself. As, as a leader of my organization, people want me to tell them that everything's gonna be okay. Um, you know, because if the leader of the organization doesn't know that everything's going to be okay, then there's an incredible uh, risk of instability and certainty, and the morale of the company will drop, and people will want to go work somewhere else, and blah, 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 you know, on and on. But this is a unique situation. I, I don't think that we can do that. And I, I have a leadership meeting today, uh, in fact, and, and we're going to be talking about this, that 
it's really important, I think, as a leader to be authentic. And the most important quality that I believe as a leader is to be authentic. And so as a leader of my organization, I plan, I have done so, and I plan to tell them again today that I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what the future of our organization is, but I can tell you that I'm here with you. This same, it's the same, it's the same conversation, isn't it? The same one, I'm here with you. I'm right here, I'm not going anywhere. Whatever happens, I'll be here with you. And, and maybe that's all we can say right now. Um, and I think that if I were spoken to that way by a leader, that I would feel safer than if my leader said, we got this, uh, we're gonna nail it. It's gonna be the best year ever. We're gonna come back and it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. <laughs> Remind you of anyone? Does that sound reassuring when you hear that on the news? Not to me. It sounds inauthentic. Frankly, it sounds like a leader I don't want to follow. So as a leader, whether it's as a parent or as a leader in an organization, I think this is time to be real. And, and I, I might tell myself and my, uh, those who look to me as a leader, that the opposite of fear isn't courage. It's not bravery right now. The opposite of fear is compassion. And that's not something that we were taught as strong leaders, is it? Not at all. But I think in this situation, the opposite of fear, well, always, the opposite of fear is compassion. And that's something that I just learned this year because of coronavirus. And so there's so many things that we can learn, but as a leader, we've got an opportunity to grow into being a more authentic, more honest leader who doesn't always have to know everything. And it's okay to tell our people, I don't know. Because if you do know, you're the only one in the world <laughs> who does know. <laughs> and that doesn't sound very authentic. And that's such a beautiful question. And I'm thank you for asking it, Kathy, because I'm going to try to use what I just said today in my leadership meeting. Uh, you know, we're coming to the end of our time, but I have one more question I'd like to uh, address from Dawn, uh, who says, I've done a lot of spiritual work about facing your demons, and I've done a lot of meditation, and I've noticed that when I do that, it causes them to lose their power. But this seems like a different situation, and I wonder if a different approach is called for. Yeah, and I wonder that too, Dawn, and I've done a lot of spiritual work like that too. Um, so, you know, in a lot of spiritual traditions, uh, that, that's a very big part of what we learn, that um, these demons or this fear is something that instead of, you know, pushing away or running away from, we, you know, we want to turn towards it and, and uh, welcome it and, and love it. And I think that's how we do deal with this in that way, um, that we uh, look at this uh, demon of fear, and, and maybe I wouldn't use that word in, uh, in this case, because I don't think the fear in this case is a demon. It's, it's just a, a reality of our lives. You know, some of our fears before this were demons. They were fears from our childhood about boogeymen that didn't exist. 
and that's an appropriate time to turn and face them and see that they're, they're not really real. And there's a lot we could talk about um, on, on a different uh, day regarding you know, facing our demons. It's a beautiful practice. But in this case, this, this fear is uh, based on something very real. So yeah, I agree with you. Maybe a different practice is called for. I, I'm not so sure that this is the time to turn around and face our demons, you know, like, like, like a warrior. Uh, again, I go back to that same practice of just facing our fear with compassion. We don't have to kill any demons right now. Let's just, again, drop down to our body, accept whatever's there, fear, probably just fear, <laughs> anger, sadness, and send it a big breath of acceptance and love. And that's what I got for you today. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, it was a, a running experiment that I was doing with myself as I was talking to you, so something a little bit new. Um, I'd love to connect with you on uh, drsusan.com. Uh, you can leave your comments here on Facebook or uh, connect with me at the office at completewomenscarecenter.com. And let's, uh, let's practice that today. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.